say, baby? What you waiting on? For you? <laughs> Ain't no other fish in the sea. What you waiting on? Acknowledge me. Welcome back to New Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. And Bill, it's Friday. Yes, it is Friday. And I want to tell you something. All right. Republican is not a synonym for racist. I actually never thought it was. Okay. Well, that's the title of, <laughs> that's the title of an article <laughs> by Peter Beinhart, which appeared in The Atlantic. He's a prominent kind of Jewish scholar uh, and from New York. And the subtitle is Conservatives Must Reckon With Their Policies Discriminatory Effects. That would be more likely if liberals stopped carelessly crying bigot. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really, uh, you know, it brought some, uh, and not anything too technical, just brought a little bit of precision to how we talk about people. You know, for instance, just because an idea may be wrong or stupid doesn't necessarily mean that we need to uh, impose a different kind of motive on the the person. Yeah, I I usually think, like... Imputing of ill motives is one of the like most damaging things you can do. To well, you already you just immediately write that person off morally. Yeah, they're they ill intent and yeah. So he basically says that this is the thing that ta- one of the take takeaways I thought was interesting. For instance, Moore, you know, Judge Moore. I mean, I'm sure his intentionality when he like harms the Constitution <laughs> and when he harms underage girls. I'm sure his intent was Judge Moore. His, uh, and, you know, the interesting thing is this, I mean, this is horrible what's come out about him, but this, this is what makes him unfit to be a senator, yeah, yeah. You know? probably, like as opposed to a whole body of work. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of, lots of, things. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, many, many, many. I digress. <laughs> no, but he says that, you know, that conservatives define bigotry in terms of intention. So you're guilty of bigotry if you're trying to harm people because of their race, gender, or things like that. Liberals. So for instance, I'm not against Hispanic people because I'm having a taco salad. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, Trump Towers has the best tacos. Uh, <laughs> that's Cinco de Mayo. He said, um, he actually said that. Um, I know he did. That's yeah. But, so liberals are define a bigotry in terms of impact. So if your actions disadvantage or disadvantage group, right. regardless of your motives, you know, you might genuinely believe that Georgia can't afford to expand Medicaid, but given the fact that that would disproportionately affect people of color, poor people of color living in urban areas or something, that 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 that, that your your policy making decision is bigoted. Yeah, yeah. So, and he kind of goes through several di- different examples. Um, you know, like if you're a conservative, you may feel an impulse to conserve the past, and we've seen these monument kind of arguments, things. But in a country, he says, you know, his history is marked by subordination of women, minorities, LGBT people. That that um, many liberals believe that conserving the past is in the interest of subordination. So what happens is people wind up talking past each other, right? Uh, and 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 I think this, but I do think that that his definition here is so um, right on because you know, like. When you watch in, for instance, like, uh, uh, like on, on Fox News, I mean, that th- this is how race is discussed. So if, if, so if, there, so if somebody's not doing something explicitly, you know, well, we're not in Jim Crow anymore. We're not. They, so th- there, there's, there is a ten- tendency to mute systemic effects. Um, or, well, or, I, th- I think, <clears throat> and there, ha- there, there has to be a call for intellectual honesty. For instance, 
the voters, the voting rights stuff. I mean, that's explicit. That that is implicitly and explicitly racist. You know, they'll argue, well, we're just, you know, why would anybody object to having a photo ID to vote? But I mean, that that kind of cynicism to me, you know, in other words, this is part of what I think. If if a person is legitimately not wanting to be racist, okay, but they advocate policies that disproportionately affect people of color. Then if I'm if I'm truly wanting not to be racist, and I think that's you know I think this is where this article is helpful, then I should be able to be open to say, but okay, you don't want to be a racist person, but what you're advocating hurts people of color. Yeah, could could you see the implications of of these actions? And, and, and yeah, I think like pointing to pointing those out to people, and assuming that they're not people of of ill will just because you you think that their policies are mistaken yeah i think that, that well, finding, I, finding a way to to yeah to have that conversation it's interesting because he says you know in the beginning he says that, that if we're going to have a sort of less acrimonious uh culture and he says look you know conservatives are liberals and people actually want that well yeah that's true that's i a, mean no I'm, I'm i'm not being facetious no i yeah i mean you're you're that is a good i mean i would i would like for it to be less acrimonious you would like for it to be less acrimonious do but do you do you really think a majority of people are willing to do what it costs to, to have it? yeah i mean we it, it, we are in a combative age and, and it does seem to get more and more yeah, I, I think this article, though, is part of the solution, helping us deconstruct a little bit in terms of, for instance, that that's, you know, if I immediately call somebody racist who doesn't self-identify as racist, then I've ended the discussion. Right. It's interesting that uh, this guy I had on Give and Take a few weeks ago, Alan Jacobs, fantastic thinker. He wrote a book called How to Think. It's like a guide for turbulent times or something. It's a great little book about just intellectual honesty. One of the chapters is all about naming is it the importance of repugnancies. Yeah. It's like, know your repugnancies because then you know that if something really is repugnant to you, if you're exposed to it or if somebody represents it, you're most likely not thinking clearly when you're responding or interacting. Right. So, right. But yeah, I think that that's, so yeah, to, to try to do things that we could, where we could be less alienating. He says that, so yeah, for, for the six people out there that agree with us and would like the culture to be less like Well, but I, I would this say this, you. but you have to, all right, but you have to be able, all right, if I'm truly saying my intent, my intentions are good. I want what's best for society. And I, I think there are legitimately, legitimate conservative um, answers and ideas around that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, immediately I have to go back to Jack Kemp, but I've, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, I actually think George W. Bush, if it hadn't been for nine eleven, whether or not he could have pulled it off or not, would have would have promoted a kind of compassionate conservatism. I think nine eleven just hijacked the whole. I mean, the pun not intended, but it really that whole agenda got lost yeah. in the war. Um, but if I if my intent is okay, I want I want you know the good society. You know, I want the beloved community. All right. And there are multiple different ways to get there. Then I need to be open to be able to say, okay, but your ideas, the implications of your ideas are this. Or I need to be able to be able to be criticized or, or at least my ideas should be open for, for discussion if my intent is, is good. Okay. And I think that's part of what he wants us to get in terms of if I'm a liberal and I immediately say, okay, your intentionality or evil, <laughs> your everything you're doing, your agenda is is evil, uh, or you are morally flawed. Then there's no room for discussion. Yeah, and he says one of the things he says that conservatives need from 
need liberals to stop abusing their cultural power. No, Beinart's a man of the left. I mean, he's not a conservative. So, like, but he's saying that you know, although conservatives have most the elected office right now, I mean, they have more elected officials at right. most level. I mean, there are only fifteen Democratic governors or something. Um, but he said liberals wield the greater power to stigmatize. He talks about how in the fifties, conservatives could exile liberals from polite company just by calling them communists. Um, and being and today still being called American, anti-American, it can sting. He, he looks at like the NFL players who, are, who have done the taking of the knee. But he said in most elite institutions and being accused of, of bigotry is much more stigmatizing than saying you're not American enough. Yeah, I, I don't know. if he's, I think it depends what circle you're in. Hey, I think he's thinking what, like the, in, it, the people that control media outlets and elite institutions generally, aside from probably... Well, I, I think, yeah. All right. I think he's thinking like cultural establishment kind of institutions. Well, right. And so, yeah, I mean, you, you will, uh, you could, you're, you're in trouble on a college campus if you get called a bigot. You can get away with being un-American. Yeah. And Brian, Br- Brendan Ike was forced, uh, out as the head of the tech company Mozilla, who did, you know, Firefox for having donated to an anti-gay marriage initiative. Yeah. No. Uh, but he wouldn't, he points out that he would not have been forced out, um, for donating to like a campaign, um, to eliminate the Pledge of Allegiance uh, from California schools. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it's just an interesting. That is interesting that that, that he was forced well, out. Well, you know, I, you and I have had this talk before. Part of it, you know, because of just, the, you know, uh, we said earlier, Donald, Donald Trump just, he taints everything he touches, including people, you know. But the idea that you and I both in the past have been critical of a kind of political correctness that shuts down any kind of, debate you know we and we both have been part of academic institutions that really went too far the other direction and so the people when they're critical of there being a kind of um thought police on in certain institutions they're absolutely right that is the case and it, and to me it's un it's anti-liberal it's anti-intellectual it's anti-american to just shut down discussion either from the right or left just because we don't like the ideas being discussed yeah, it's interesting because, you know, a, a lot of the stuff on has been written about and reported about the safe space stuff and, and, and on colleges. It's funny that, and usually that's, they, they, right, we see this is why we, somebody asked me recently right, about, about safe. how we stand. I said, well, I, cause I was telling them, it was actually Mark Babico who does tech stuff, video stuff. And I was telling my switch cameras and I said that the reason we stand this far apart is because, well, microphone bleeding, but we that's, probably wouldn't uh, stand no, closer anyway. My, my safe space. Safe space. I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, afternoon, or evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it because of the conversations you find here? If the answer to the aforementioned questions is yes, or even just a solid maybe, would you do something for me? Would you consider becoming a Patreon sponsor of the podcast for just five bucks a month? Or more, it's for a good cause. You can help this podcast and one of the many others I do keep going to be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David and Winona Babico, Michael Butera, Peter Stegenwald, Samantha Blythe, Sari Graham. 
Jordan and Danny Morseberger, Josh Redder, Ellis Brazil, David Zoll, Jonathan Butrin, Ben DeHart, Charlotte Donlin, Stephen Rowe, Andrew Stravitz, Jim Cress, and Liam O'Brien. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the show. But you know, it's funny because that we we look at that as a generally when that's talked about right now it's li- liberal college students it's funny because in 2011 he uh, byron points out tufts university did the study and they found that conservatives consume more outrage based political radio and television than liberals do and one of the reasons they from the study that they 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 thought they found out from the research was that when you ask conservatives how they feel, what they how they feel about talking about politics, every single conservative they talked with, conservative respondent to their study, raised the issue of being called a racist. Hmm. And so that they 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 sort of were afraid to discuss politics and I and political ideas with groups that people that didn't share their assumptions because they because it was so damning to be called a racist and so insulting liberals in their study had no corresponding fear like that yeah no I, no I do think that's absolutely the case I found maybe it's just my contrarian nature but I find in my life that when I'm in when I'm immersed in the more conservative environment <clears throat> I, that tends to bring out the more liberal in me and in you know the years I've spent in very liberal institutions, I tend to drift. You know, the the more conservative aspects of my thinking comes out. I think partially, yeah, you know, maybe it's a natural desire to balance. But I do I do think there's there is there is uh, uh, things of the pendulum has swung too far uh, in both ways in different in different contexts. Well, yeah, I, we're we're their center to hold does not hold anymore. I mean, we, they, no. they both that both parties get more extreme and, and, and the sorting institutions as well whether they be religious yeah, institutions yeah. whether they be academic institutions uh yeah the 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 lost um you know uh whatever whatever that whatever that centering per principle is it's it's not existence we have lost our gravity of sorts yeah yeah and it's interesting because he he lists some specific examples of calling people racist like and um Breitbart, after Steve Bannon left Breitbart last year, now he's back with Breitbart. Um, the Salon called Breitbart anti-Semitic because um, they their their primary evidence was a headline uh, that described Weekly Standard editor and Trump critic uh, Bill Kristol as a renegade Jew, <laughs> and and they, they basically they the 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 author though who was attacking of Kristol. Was Jewish. It's David Horowitz, who used to be a liberal, is now an outspoken conservative, and he was accusing Crystal yeah. of betraying Jewish interests by opposing Trump. He thought, look, you know, if you're if you really care about Israel, you'd you'd support Trump and everything. So Byron says, you know, look, you know, this is you could say that this is a silly argument, or you could say it's extreme. You could say it's dominant, whatever. By you know, you could agree with this, group, but it, but it doesn't make sense to say it's anti-Semitic when it's a Jew critiquing a Jew for for not being oh. strong enough on Israel. Well, yeah, and I mean that. I mean, gosh, and you get to Israel when these kind of things go on about that. I mean, what you know, it gets on. What's a true? Well, some of it, it's interesting right now. I mean, within the Republican Party and those who have are protesting the Republican Party, you know, what what does it really mean to be, you know, what is the true identity of something? That's that's actually that's part of the problem when you have these kind of confused norms, because you don't you don't know what it means for you to belong. That's part of the reason why, you know, the cult of personality arises in these kind of times. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's absolutely the case. 
The other thing he says, the point that I think is really interesting is he says, and again, this is a liberal guy. Uh, he's before call, calling conservatives bigots, liberals should remember something about their own ideology. Progressivism is progress. It seeks ever greater moral advance. That means if liberals have their way, the list of things considered discriminatory will continue to grow. <laughs> and so he, so he just thinks that like, you know, the, the sort of whole uh, Robert E. Lee, what's next, uh, Washington right. Jefferson He's saying, you know, that like there is, a, you understand the, the logic, you don't have to agree with it, but you can understand the logic, like that some of the anxiety points, right. I, I think he's pointing out here are, are, are um, you know, like he says, giving conservatives instinct to conserve, liberals cannot reasonably expect them to instantly declare bigoted something they've long considered acceptable. Right. So I think this, these are like good points. And again, he's not saying that you couldn't disagree you know, or, or we couldn't have a reasoned discussion about this, but sort of just the fact that, that. A, that a conservative again wants to conserve and, and, and sort of it maybe esteems uh, maintaining certain kinds of traditions that that instinct is not necessarily bigoted. Right, right. Although you know we have to be, and I think that if we want to have conversation with people, uh, we need to we need to at least grant them. You know, for instance, I passed a "Don't Tread on Me" uh, flag on my way here today. So where was that? <laughs> it's not right up the road from my house. Oh wow. Yeah, so uh, you know they could very well be part of the 1770s Preservation Society. So I should immediately jump to the conclusion <laughs> that they uh, they uh, don't know what they're flying, or they it's under a different under a different pretext that that's why they are flying that flag. But anyway, <laughs> all right, like I'm gonna. It. I may just not go indoors. Hey, can we talk about? Let's talk about 1775. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting too because. Um, he says conservatives sometimes deny there's anything they can do to convince liberals there aren't bigots. But when conservatives acknowledge bigotry's persistence, liberals do take notice. And he talks about some stuff Marco Rubio has said, and, and, and he just talks about um, how liberals will need to sort of recognize when conservatives um, do take notice of things like Black Lives Matter and, and, and make an instance, you know, point out its importance and things like that. Well, so, yeah, and I think conservative, you can be, for for instance, I mean, um, let's say, you know, you're pro-life. Um, you, I mean, that immediately gets, uh, which I am pro-life, immediately gets kind of pushed into, well, you're a conservative. Yeah, but I'm also against the death penalty. I'm against, I'm for gun control. I'm in, in other words, there are certain, what, what you know, these conservative liberal yeah, you know, this binary uh, labeling is not always helpful in, in in every issue, and I think that also you have to be you have to ask questions. You have to kind of understand, be willing to be open. Why people think a certain way? Have you thought about these implications? Um, you know, one of the things uh, I helped create a dialogue group uh, that brought together suburban people and urban folks, uh, Muslims, Jews. Christians. And one of the things I think often is interesting is for particularly liberal suburban Christians to kind of really un try to get to understand the theological positions of both, say, black Muslims or, you know, you know, most African-American Christians in urban areas are more conservative than their white Protestant counterparts. Yeah. And so to understand there's a whole kind of there's, you know, un you're trying to understand a more moral conservatism in the context of an urban situation, uh, you know, I think that's important. That's that's part of that important discussion. Sometimes these these uh, categories break down a little bit, and and you only get there if you actually one know people that are different than you and are willing to have conversations with them. Yeah, you know, it's interesting uh, that Alan Jacobs book I referenced. It's a fantastic book, and in it he taught he tells this experience of 
uh, uh, prom- a scholar who wrote this piece in like Harper's or Vanity Fair or something. You know, I mean, Harper's or the New Republic or something on a case for reparations. And Alan Jacobs emailed a few of his colleagues and said, yeah, I mean, it's a really good article. I, I don't think he made, his- made the case. And oh, all his colleagues jumped around. Are you racist? Are you... Da-da? He said, no, no, I- you don't think these people deserve reparations? It's like, no, of course they deserve it. Uh, but he said, the, qu- the question is, did he make the case for how it's executable? And, and, and yeah. he said that, you know, that it's not, of course, African Americans have experienced, but everyone, they all deserve reparations. But he said, you know, it's the mechanisms. For instance, who would get, he said, you know, if, if we're talking about, um, are we talking about people who are children of, uh, uh, you know, who are, Affected by slavery, well, would Michelle Obama be eligible and Barack Obama not? Because Michelle, Barack Obama's mother is white, father right. was Kenyan, <laughs> and and but Michelle Obama would seem to fit. So, so he was saying yeah, that, like, yeah, you know, absolutely. The, so, that's a, that's a great example. Yeah, the, the, example. he was just saying that here, like, I was sort of, I, I wasn't sort of saying the the idea itself was misguided. I was saying this this sort of the pr- particular way it's proposed. I don't think makes the case for doing it. No, uh, no. You know, I think, for instance, what what Georgetown University was doing. You know, it it came. You know, it it owned the fact that the university was built by slaves, uh, helped construction, and therefore there. You know, they came up with a program where there'd be scholarship programs that you know, um, you know, descendants of slaves would be given some financial assistance. I mean, that's to me. That's a you know that's an example. Having spent a lot of time working in urban situations and just seeing the incredible effects, the ongoing effects of the institution of slavery, I'm I I totally get that. I hundred percent believe there should be reparations, and I have no idea how it could right, be done. right. And yeah. that's you know, one of the things too. I think, and because we're by the way we're having this meetup group on Sunday, so please come out. Please come out, and we were going to talk a little bit about you know. Uh, getting along at the holidays. Holiday season yeah. coming. Coming pe- up, yeah. People sit down and often have political and cultural If you drive long distances, you can crash at either of our houses. I, yeah, absolutely. We you will totally even feed can. you. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think Rob Bell, I heard him on a podcast, as a guest on the Minimalist podcast, and he was he was talking about getting along with people you disagree with. He said, well, I, first off, with po- in politics, I always say, what policy we're talking about? And so it was the liberals and right wing, and it's like, because I... If, Oftentimes, things are a lot less acrimonious if you're actually talking about uh, the nuances of a particular policy, as opposed to just kind of like kind of demonizing, uh, you know, an entire way of thinking, which, of course, is just emotionally, you know, you're going to have emotional reactions and no one's going to get anywhere. By the way, I have to I mean, you're a bigger Rob Bell fan than I am, but I have to admit, you you show me like he posts a picture. Of he and his wife at some sort of party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. And somebody, what did somebody? Somebody was like, you're a false teacher. <laughs> you dissuade somebody. He just put a picture of his wife and him are out for dinner and they had to put that. So I, you know what I have to say? To, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> come on, man. That's out of bounds. You can't be doing that. I, I like, wait, wait, wait. He's what? going out with his wife. He's like, Give the man what, a break. What's, yeah, yeah, people are. People, people are, are assholes. That's what people are. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's, I mean, that's, that's, that's just nothing else happens. about that. That's it happens. Just, it happens. Yeah, just leave the guy alone. I mean, I'm. Yeah. Uh, and I meant I meant that in the best sense. Of that <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I was I I could I was like, wow, this guy's really uptight. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, I think you know, I think that you know, like oftentimes when we get down to actually the particularities of of these things, like it, it's a lot less acrimonious or it's a lot less emotionally heated. Um, I think where a lot of the the emotional sort of heat comes about is when we're talking. And sort of these abstract ideological, you know, us versus them sort of views of the country and reality and the culture. Yeah. Well, like most people, when I think of this issue, I mainly think of Meister Eckhart. And um, 
And he was brought up on heresy charges. Yeah. And in his trial, you can actually read the manuscript of his trial. Uh, at one point, he said he was accused of being a heretic. And he says, I cannot be a heretic. He says, I can be an error, but I can't be a heretic because a heresy is a function of the will. And I don't, I do not choose to forsake the Holy Church. Mm. My choice is to be in obedience to it. But my ideas could be wrong, and I'm open to be pointed. Yeah. That pointed out. And I think, you know, again, I mean, that's, you can only actually own that statement for yourself. But, and that is, it is helpful if we can exist in, where we have categories other than a truth or heresy, where we can have errors and misunderstand, you know, where, yeah. where we have more nuanced judgments than. <laughs> for, so, for instance, if a person doesn't really want to be a racist, which I think there are, there are only a few people who really want to do that uh, consciously, then it's legitimate to say, to say, okay, well, then this is where I think you're, if you really, if that's what your intent or whatever you want to label, you know, I don't want to be a bigot, I don't want to be hateful, I don't want to be whatever, then. Then we can get to the then we can get from the realm of motivation, which you know half the time we don't even know what motivates ourselves. Yeah, I, mean, I yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but then we get the we can talk about ideas. And if I truly want to be as a you know as a human being or as a Christian, I, I truly want to walk in the truth. Then I need to be open to having my ideas discussed. And I think the same. And but if you begin by giving somebody some respect and don't immediately you know go to the imposition of motives, then there might be room for some redemptive conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is oftentimes a pleasant change at the holidays. <laughs> All right. So let's be redemptive out there, folks, exactly. this weekend. All Have right. a great weekend. God bless everybody. God and bless. A happy birthday again to Lindy. Absolutely. Bye, y'all. Bye. Blah!
we're 